0: Everybody and welcome. This is the Mazao Talks podcast which is a platform for both knowledge sharing and peer to peer exchange between small and medium scale farmers across Kenya.
1: We feature contributions by farmers, budding farmers, agri food experts as we drive discussions on good agricultural practices as well as business opportunities that are readily available for the youth. This
0: podcast is made possible by the European Union Funded Market Access Upgrade Program, Markup, which is implemented by United Nations Industrial Development Organization, UNIDO, and is produced right here at Semabox.
1: Yeah, so as we start, please remember to like, share, and subscribe on all our platforms. Our handle is at Kenya on Twitter, Instagram, as well as Facebook. For more information about any of the topics we discuss, please find us at markupkenya.org.
0: My good name is Jason, I am Sheila, and anybody, anybody, absolutely anybody, no matter who you are, you You can can farm. farm.
1: Hello, good morning, habariyako, wagwan, or whatever greeting you prefer. Welcome to the Mazao podcast, which is a platform for both knowledge sharing and peer-to-peer exchange between small and medium-scale farmers across Kenya. This week, we are all about French beans, uh, more commonly known as meshiri, especially where I come from. Meshiri. Meshiri, yes. (laughs) You can't say
0: meshiri. It's (laughs) meshiri. Meshiri, like that.
1: (laughs) Despite the name French beans, they are originally from South and Central Americas and not France. Which is so weird. I think it's the same thing about French fries.
0: French fries, yeah.
1: Yeah, they're not originally from France. Where are they from? I think Belgium.
0: Oh. Yeah.
1: I think it's wow. Belgium. Yeah.
0: Wow, interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah. Actually,
0: I've heard Belgians have better fries than the French. Mm.
1: Let's go back to the French pizza. Although the French beans is a mature market in Kenya, there is still a big and tapped market for both fresh and frozen beans, especially to export markets such as the United States of America, Tanzania, and Japan.
0: Hey, hi guys, and welcome. Uh, once again, we're here in Taita, Tabeta County, one of the most beautiful places I've been to. And I'm here with a beautiful Mercy.
2: Mwikali.
0: Masi Mwikali. Uh, uku kwenye ni wapi?
2: Uh, kwa majina ni Masi Mwikali, uh-huh. ni, ni kwa Taveta, na mii ni mkulima wa French beans.
0: Taita Taveta, wapi haswa?
2: Kijiji Chambirwa.
0: Kijiji chambiru. Asante sana kwa kutukaribisha.
2: Asante. Na
0: nimeona mnafanya kazi mzuri sana hapa ya French beans. Mm. Uh, na mwiti bidi na tunashukuru sana. Mm. Um, uh, swali la kwanza, nikuwa nita kujua. Hizi huwa mnaziuza wapi?
2: Hizi tukona kampuni huwa tunauza. Oke. Okay. Huwa wanatupatia begu. Uh-huh. Na huwa wanafatilia. Ukisha panda, wanafatilia. Mpaka ziwe tayari. Alafu wa ni niskiwa tayari tunawapelekea wa zkiwa tayari wapelekea wa, wa wanachukua alafu wana wanatununulia
0: ah huwa wananunua kwa kilo ama wanunua kwa gunia ama
2: wa wapime maji wa kwa kilo au wanapima kwa kilo e, apa shambani tunavuna na magunia tukishapeleka pale mm. kuna crates tunapanga lafu, wapime zasa.
0: Okay. Mm. Na, na na sasa hii venye mmepanda mm. kwa kama e moja huwa mnatoa kama guni ngapi ama huwa ukipanda yani
2: Uku shamba ni ndogo lakini okay. wa shamba huko ni ndogo lakini ukipanda kama kilo moja mm-hmm. mazayake yake wa ni mengi kwa sababu utapata like 300 to 400 kgs. Oh from 1 kilo of Mm. Mbegu. kama umeitunza vizuri. Oh,
0: okay. Mm. Na eh uh, na dawa huwa mnanyunyuzia dawa?
2: Dawa huwa tunanyunyizia
0: mm-hmm.
2: na zinatoka kwa kampuni pia.
0: Oh, okay. kwa hivyo Asabu kila kitu
2: sababu uh-huh. kununua dawa nje. Yani kila kitu kiko pale. Wanatupatia begu na dawa pia wanatoa.
0: Oh, sa- kwa hivyo dawa na kila kitu yani all farm inputs mnatoa kwa
2: Eh lakini huwa tunanunua si tunapewa tu. Okay. Unatoa pesa halafu unapewa.
0: Sasa niulize huwa mnalipa cash ama huwa mkileta mazao in, ina mnalipa cash ndio. Unalipa cash. Ndo. Unalipa cash. Mm-hmm. Okay sasa procedure ya mkisha panda sasa imekua imekomaa mnavuna.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Baada ya kuvuna huwa mnazitunzaje?
2: Hizi huwa tayari ziko na siku zake za kufuna ambapo ni Tuesday. Tuesday na Saturday.
0: Tuesday Thursday Saturday.
2: Eh sasa wanaturuhusu kuvuna hiyo kivunakama kama jana itanyauka. E. na zinatakikana ziende zikiwa fresh. Okay. Sasa kivuna, kama hivi leo ni ya kuvuna unavuna. Eh.
0: Uh-huh.
2: unapeleka tayari kule na okay. zinasafirishwa leo leo.
1: Today in studio, we have Justin Simeu from HCD. You are those
0: guys for telling people to likwa a jemu. Like jemu mgani. HCD uh-huh. is Horticulture Crops Directorate.
3: Uh, thank you, Sheila. I'm happy to be here today at Summer box. Uh, My name is Josephine Simil. I work for Horticultural Crops Directorate, which is a directorate under Agriculture and Food Authority. Uh, I work as a deputy director in charge of uh, regulations and compliance. Uh, I've worked in this industry for 17 years now. Wow. Uh, Our work majorly uh, revolves around... um, uh, regulating the horticulture industry. And when I say horticulture, it uh, includes uh, fruits, flowers, vegetables, uh, herbs, and spices. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also uh, offer um, uh, advisory services to uh, county governments as well as uh, farmers. And uh, for those who are in the business of exporting, we issue them with uh, an export uh, license. Of course, after following uh, the laid down regulations. yeah yeah basically that's it.
1: Is your background in agri business? Uh, I, I have a combination of both.
3: Um, I, I did uh, horticulture you know horticulture is just the the, the stuff about uh, how to grow, how to understand a plant mm. you know and mm. all that uh, in horticulture. And then uh, I did now a postgraduate degree in uh, international horticulture business. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah.
1: I never so, knew <laughs> same, anything like that Jason. existed.
0: <laughs> yeah. It, uh, in, international horticulture business.
3: Yeah, it's actually called, um, uh, it's just called the international horticulture. Okay. Yeah. Interesting.
1: Yeah, so it's both business, uh, both management. Mm. Yeah. So, Josephine, from the markup study, it discovered that um, export of, French beans is mainly handled by brokers and aggregators because only 22% of farmers are actually certified under the global gap. Why do you think this number is so low? Well, um,
3: uh, first of all, uh, we, we need to appreciate that um, uh, production of French beans, 80% is done by small scale farmers scattered all over the, the countries, particularly like uh, 16 counties uh, mm-hmm. producing um, uh, French beans. So given the the low volume of um, beans that are being produced by these farmers, uh, it requires that uh, they are aggregated to make um, uh, considerable amounts to make a consignment to be exported. So that is why we have... Um, uh, aggregator. Some of the aggregators are legit because they are registered by uh, HCD. Mm-hmm. So then it means they have systems in place and they can support farmers um, have global gap. Uh, but there are those who are outside the radar of the um, regulatory bodies. So therefore, um, uh, they are not able to support farmers to have uh, global gap because um, attaining global gap is also very expensive because it requires some resources to set up their... Uh, infrastructure uh and also some uh technical know-how yeah. uh to be able to achieve this so uh, most farmers cannot afford it so then um they are supported by uh, either an exporter who is uh, sourcing products directly from them or an aggregator who is also uh, uh getting these products but uh, we have a good number who are not within this uh, formal arrangement and then therefore then um uh, you find that um, uh, brokers uh, come in uh, because uh, and, and, and brokers come in because they, they pay cash as mm. opposed to the formal arrangements where uh, uh, you know in a contract it takes a bit of time you know maybe after seven days they get paid. So um, with this in mind, then uh, and the quick cash, then uh, some of them are not within the, the global gap are not certified. And then also uh, prefer to sell to to brokers, so that's normally the the, the main issue. So um, and and because we also require that um, uh, they have that relationship, uh, the, the the brokers or the um, uh, marketing agents, you call the marketing agents, have a um, formal relationship with the. Uh, with the farmer through uh, a contract which we call the HCD Code of Conduct, mm-hmm. which uh, actually guides the relationship between the farmers and the, and the marketing agent or the exporter. Uh, this actually also allows, gives room for provision of that technical uh, information and, um, and uh, uh, you know, supports the certification system. So, but in the absence of this, then... Uh, then it leaves room for um, this unregulated and informal arrangement to take place and leaving for uh, having more non compliances in the industry. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Allow me to ask Sheila also. Um, we've spoken a lot and we keep mentioning global gap, but maybe I think it would be good to explain to our audience what exactly is Global Gap because we make reference to it a lot uh, and we appreciate that some of our listeners may actually not be farmers. Tell us a bit about Global Gap.
3: Yeah, Jason, yeah, that's uh, really very important because um, uh, it looks like, uh, um, you know, Global Gap is that just a label assigned to a product, Mm -hmm. Uh, but Global Gap is a system. Yeah, it's actually a system to assure that good good agricultural practice are followed. Mm. So good agricultural uh, practice are actually practices that um, employed or employed by the farmer okay. uh, and anyone along the value chain, including even the person parking, the person transporting, uh, you know, uh, the, the storage bit of it, and also mm. the farming bit of it. So it is actually a system that takes care of the, the whole value chain. And each um, uh, value chain player has a role to play within the good agricultural practices okay. uh, outlined even in the global gap. Okay. Yeah, so this system is uh, in a way, we can say is a, 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 um, a consumer assurance uh, scheme mm. so that uh, if a product is certified, then you can you you are, you rest assured that. Uh, the right pesticides have been used. Yes, okay. Um, uh, the right inputs like fertilizers, you know, mm. it, it's done within the the recommended the limits. Uh, all these um, uh, practices that just assure that you're having very safe food okay. uh, are employed uh, by the the value chain actor at that particular level. Okay. Yeah. But now currently, just to make it easy, also for farmers to uh, adapt to Global Gap, mm-hmm. we also have the National Horticulture Standard. Ah, okay. Yeah, the National Horticulture Standard is also an equivalent of the Global Gap, only that uh, we have uh, adapted it to our own local situation so that okay. uh, it becomes easy for, uh, for farmers to comply with the requirements of, of Global Gap.
1: From the markup study, they found that the average yield of the farms is less than 50% of the actual potential per acre, what would you say um, is causing this, and what can farmers do to get better yields or do a better job? Yeah, Sheila, that
3: is—you um, uh, know—indeed, it's it's really sad um, that um, you know the, the yield potential are, are not uh, uh, realized as yeah. as required, or you know as as should be. Um, and there are very there are various reasons to that. Uh, some of the some of it is because of the the capacity. You know the the information flow to farmers. Farmers may not have the the, the knowledge mm. on uh, how to take care of the 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 crop for it to have the yield potential as, as they have, uh, because uh, the crop really uh, requires. Uh, if you don't give it the right nutrition at the right time then that affects the, the yields you mm-hmm. know uh, if you also don't control the, the diseases because the farmers need to be checking out on the on the diseases some of these diseases like for example there's a disease I call it's called rust rust is very common mm-hmm. particularly during the dry season mm-hmm. yeah you you see the, the the you know it becomes very susceptible to to rust. And uh, also mites, you know, the, the mites, when you see rust, mites are also somehow. So then if um, uh, farmers are unable to control these diseases and pests, then it also contributes to the, the low yields. Yeah. Yeah, and then there are some places you go um, where uh, they don't have enough water because um, uh, to be able to produce optimally, you require to be, if, if it, there's, there's no rainfall, you need to substitute with um, irrigation water. Mm. Mm. So Sheila, if you don't do that, then you'll, you know, they'll experience uh, very low yields. Yeah. So it's actually a contribution of factors. Some of them um, they're beyond the uh, the farmer's uh, capability mm. uh, because uh, some of these diseases are, are aggressive, and uh, if you know we we don't have sufficient. Um, uh, we call them pesticides or uh, active ingredients that can be able to control some of these insects. Mm. Then they also affect the, the 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 quality as well as the as the yields. The quantity of the yields. quantity, yield. yeah, because yeah. normally they're supposed to get like um, uh, at least on average three tons per acre. You know, three tons yeah three tons per acre that's a lot that's a lot that is um, the optimum potential yes mm. on yeah. so 50 so, so yeah 50 percent you see 1.5 exactly so that means you know the income mm. is also reduced yeah and more or less the um, even the cost of production is up so mm. you don't you don't get um uh, you know your, your margins are not as you know supposed to meet the yeah the the optimum potential okay
1: yeah Just when you you mentioned that a lot of these French beans farmers are small-scale farmers, which means they probably work alone, do you feel that um, having institutional arrangements would add value to this whole chain? Yeah, definitely, Sheila. That
3: uh, really makes a difference because, um, as I mentioned, knowledge is very key, Mm -hmm. and this knowledge only comes from people who already... um, Uh, have the technical know-how or uh, authorities within that field. Mm. So for um, within the uh, French bean value chain, uh, we have uh, exporters who already have uh, contracts with groups of farmers. Mm. Mm. And this works very well because these uh, exporters uh, allocate or deploy uh, technical assistance to support these farmers. And for those arrangements, we see it works very well. It's more organized, even in terms of uh, the quality of the product, uh, the volumes also, you know, and these other support for certifications uh, come in. Uh, but where these arrangements don't exist, because um, there are some farmers who feel they can do it on their own. They, they, they don't need um, uh, to belong to a group, for example, so um, uh, they, they, they manage on their own. Mm. Uh, but to see still, um, there's normally a big gap between what is required by the market and what the farmers know. So the link between that is normally um the exporter or a regulatory agency like either HCD or KEFIS, who uh we interact with the 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 market or the countries, those countries directly. So we have this information mm-hmm. that we can need we need to pass on. Uh however, uh we need that linkage with the county governments because um, uh, the county governments are very instrumental uh, in terms of um, engaging with the farmers on a day-to-day basis, particularly farmers who are not linked to exporters who have the, the technical support because you know, within the constitution, uh, the counties are supposed to be providing that yes. uh, on a daily basis. But because of the challenges we see with the county government, Governments that's still not possible. Uh, so they have to rely now you see now that the brokers come in it creates also that 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 gap. and then um, uh, or, or farmers themselves, you know, just try to find uh, maybe from other early adopters, people, farmers who are you know within an area you you can get farmers who are lead farmers for lack of a better word eh? mm. yeah. then they they try to copy that, but still, uh, that is not sufficient so that institutional arrangement is um is is very key mm. and is actually the um uh is instrumental in in, in getting uh, good quality beans as well as um uh having uh, very good quantities of, of of beans coming out of the farms okay yeah
1: are farmers ready to make the most of the export market, uh, and what exactly is missing? Like, what's the disconnect mm. that's making us not do more with the French beans market?
3: Well, uh, farmers are ready. That's at least from where I sit, and and the, the discussions I have with farmers, mm. they're really very ent- enthusiastic in terms of uh, and passionate in terms of um, uh, producing more and uh, getting into the export business. Yeah. However, uh, the issue is now the, the, the disconnect between what the farmers are producing, the inputs they're putting in, and what the market requires. Mm. Because now there's an issue with the pesticide residues yeah. of French beans. So um, we, we export uh, close to, um, we can say 80% of our beans goes to the EU market. Mm. So the EU market um, has very stringent requirements. Mm-hmm. So the authorities there have set rules for uh, for some certain pesticides, which we use in our beans. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've set some levels beyond which uh, they, they don't want uh, those beans. So if we are... Uh, and these this residues actually come out from applying... Uh, the pesticide on our on our beans. So we cannot avoid that yeah. because we live in a tropical climate. Dudus are everywhere, you know, mm. and to, able, to be able to make sure you have a quality product and uh, you don't lose the volumes, as we said, you know, mm. it uh, also affects the quantities. You have to apply pesticides. So when you apply pesticides, um, you have to observe a certain period of time before you harvest. you harvest yes so if you don't uh observe that period of time uh the residues um, it means the active ingredient the dawa itself eh,
2: mm.
3: has not broken down mm. so therefore it is still in there it's, yeah. it's still active it's still in the um, in the bean, mm. and therefore because uh, of you know uh, studies that show, you know, uh, pesticide cause cancer. You know, at least you've seen in the media. Yeah. So, because it's still present and it has not broken down, then um, uh, the the once the testing is done, they'll say the the pesticide residue limits uh, have been exceeded mm. for each molecule. There's a limit. Yeah. Yeah. So now, uh, if you don't observe that period, the 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 limit is exceeded. If you apply a pesticide that is not recognized in that country, because you have pesticide we've registered here for using in our crop, uh, but if that pesticide is not uh, allowed for use in that country, they'll still say we've exceeded mm. the pesticide residue limits. So because of that, we've been exporting and they've been testing, the EU has been testing and has been found, been finding that we've been exceeding the pesticide residue oh. limits. Wow. And when that happens, you know, if you take a consignment and that happens, then it means that consignment is destroyed. You know, all I'm of s- it. Yeah, yeah, it's not allowed into the market. Mm. Yeah, because the, because of those notifications, they um, increased the, the level of sampling, you know, to 10%. Mm-hmm. Initially, we at 5% were ten percent because they felt that uh, you know according to the risk categorization yeah yeah we our beans pose more risk to the consumers in the EU.
0: But you know that makes me think a lot about uh, what we are consuming locally, because if if for export they still find that maybe uh, some of those levels have been flaunted or you can imagine. For food that we are consuming locally that nobody ever checks. There's it's no standard. standard. There's no standard really. It's just yeah. farm to plate. Yeah. Um, That's cause for worry I think.
3: Yeah that's cause for worry. I mm. agree because uh, you know like for the EU they had to put these tough regulations because the consumer demanded. Yeah. Yeah. So you actually it needs that drive. From oh, so somewhere. the laws are
0: consumer-driven?
3: Yeah, it's consumer-driven because okay. uh, if the supermarket cannot assure a customer, because most of them buy their groceries from, from the
0: supermarket. a yeah, okay.
3: supermarket, you know, if a supermarket cannot assure the customer through a Global Gap certification, mm. you remember the Global Gap? Yeah. Through Global Gap certification, uh-huh. the consumers won't buy. Mm. Yeah, so then, uh, but that is a private standard. Not the one I'm talking about. It is a a government, a regulation—you know—it's a regulatory yeah. requirement that they check. So then, once they check and find this, um, uh, and the consignment is is um, is rejected, it means the losses are felt here mm. because you know there's a farmer who produced, mm. there's a exporter who packed, uh, consolidated and shipped. You know, and shipping mm. is also an expense. Yes. Yeah. So those are the losses. So this information uh on actually the the pesticides to be used, mm. uh the observance of the PHI, and then also the quality of the chemicals that are being used. Um uh, it is information that is required to be with the farmer because that is where you get the the residues, mm. yeah, at the farming, because yeah. they need to control the pests, mm. the doodles and all that. Yeah. And they have to do it in the right way. Yeah. Even in terms of how they procure the Mm. How they buy the pesticides from the agrovet? Yeah. How they use it? How you know how the neighbor... Na- because sometimes even how the neighbor sprays, for example, maize. Mm. There's a chemical they can use for you know this doodoo that is in maize now. Uh, the, the 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 fall armyworm. Hey, you know that is a very little doodoo. It gets into your farm. You have to clear it. But now when you're clearing it, mm. if you don't wash that. Uh, uh, that tank that you've used to spray uh,
2: uh, the maize. maize very well.
3: The knapsack sprayer. The knapsack sprayer. Yeah. Those residues will get into your beans and you use the same knapsack sprayer on the on the beans. Oh, yeah. yeah you yeah, still yeah. get residues of that, of yeah. that pesticide. chemical, that yeah. pesticide, yeah. because it's a pesticide mm. called Rothin mm. that is very common and it's being given free of charge by the county government. So to, because of, you know, maize is a, you know, it's Staples. a staple crop and it's a very mm. food security crop. It has to be chunguot very well. Mm. So if you use that knapsack sprayer on the on the beans, you'll get pesticide residues. Some farmers, because they feel, ah, this is a, because it's a very effective uh, chemical, The seed it is effective in maize, ah, they'll also chop it on beans.
2: So oh. you see, yeah.
3: It's just that knowledge. Mentality and yeah, knowledge. knowledge. Yeah, that yeah, knowledge. But you don't blame okay. the farmer because they don't know that mm. um, these actions actually results to a rejection elsewhere. Mm. And then now the most sad thing, uh, Jason, mm. is this. Eh? Because they farm in a group. Eh? Mm-hmm. And I told you an exporter consolidates from all over the country. Ah, yes. okay. Yeah. Now, uh, this one farmer... Has done all this. Eh? Mm. Then these beans, because it, they're, they're very small, they can harvest like 300 kilos a day, you mm. know, mm. 200 kilos. Uh, and within that area, like the place you went, I assume in Wundani, you went to Wundanyi, right? Bengoni. Bengoni. Yes. Bengoni. That Bengoni place, area, yeah. very beautiful area. Yeah. They, they farm on the valley. Yeah, yeah, yeah oh, very really nice. Yeah, nice, I've been yeah. there. So now, those those farmers around there. Mm. This one farmer, because of the, this practice uh, mm. on on how to handle pesticides, these beans are consolidated together. Yeah, it becomes one
2: mm.
3: one uh, collection mm. for that farmer group. Yeah, it's taken to a packhouse in Nairobi, right? A packhouse in Nairobi. This exporter also has has collected also maybe from uh, Loitoktok, mm. from Narok, you know, all yeah, these areas wow. that produce beans. Yes. And because when they pack, eh, they have to, you know, unaparki na baki kidogo, siwa consolidate from bengonyi, mm. kidogo then they have to mix with another area. So this one farmer can make the whole consignment yaribike. Oh, mm. dear. Yeah. So then that rejection is for the exporter, but of course now he'll be unable to pay the, the farmers, the farmers, yes. As a result of this, this practice. So, but anyway, it's all because of knowledge. Have of have, have, knowledge.
0: You, have 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 we explored um, uh, biological methods of controlling this pesticide or uh, this pest?
3: Yes. Okay. For for, for organic methods, we have. Uh-huh. Okay, I know because it is outdoor. Yeah, uh, and organic is uh, requires that. Um, Um, it's actually a very, it requires uh, some certain controls. eh? Mm. Remember, these are very small scale farmers and they have neighbors. Yeah. To be an organic farmer, you require that a whole, that whole area is actually organic. But you cannot be organic and you you cannot be organic and I'm your neighbor, I'm not doing organic. Mm. You know why? Because Mm. uh, we're having the same soil. And when it rains and if I'm spraying I've put some maybe herbicides, they'll get into your farm, you know, because of percolation, you know, water flows. If I'm spraying, so Mm. it is, um, it requires
1: uh, an agreement within a a community, yes. Um, Is it possible for these aggregators to test the produce at the farm before they load it and then take it through the rest of the process?
3: Yeah, sure. They they, they can um, they can test mm-hmm. you know uh, the products uh, at harvest. Uh, though the, the issue is normally the time taken to get the results. Because mm-hmm. if you have a very uh, a lab that has a quick turnaround of um, twenty four hours, mm-hmm. you 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 you'll be charged uh, twenty thousand per sample. Wow. Yeah. So it's also not cheap. Uh, So, but if someone is getting from uh, a a good number of farmers, Mm -hmm. you know, they can just take advantage of the economies of scale, you know, then 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 they they can randomly uh, sample from all of them Mm -hmm. and just take that one sample so that uh, if there's any uh, non-compliance, then we can know the the whole group has not complied. Then -hmm. they can, you know... uh, so, and that is actually the, the best practice, you know, to, to be able to do that. It's only that uh, the costs. The costs cost are high. Yeah, mm. yeah, the cost is 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 a bit high. So if it's an aggregator and getting from 10 groups, you see that is... That's 200,000. Yeah, that's
1: 200,000. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I wanted you to speak a little more about traceability. Is there traceability mm. in the field? Like the example we just gave is this one farmer who has been using pesticides or did not follow the global gap, (laughs) is there a way an exporter or an aggregator um, can practice traceability to know that, oh, this bad sample came from Jason's farm, Mm -hmm. so that he knows, am I going to cut ties Mm -hmm. with them? Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: So uh, actually, traceability will work. Mm. Yeah, it will work if uh, they already have a system for traceability. Mm. And it's really quite easy. Because for those who are contracted, uh they keep records for everything they do in the farm, mm. you know. Uh during planting, during uh looking whether they are doo the, the the pesticides that have been used, any weeding, you know, that that is historical data related to that that crop. Yeah. And it's available for uh farmers who are in that formal mm. arrangement. So then it becomes easy to. Uh, to have a trace back because uh, once the consolidation is done mm-hmm. and uh, there are records for each and every farmer that has contributed to that particular collection uh, in case of any non-compliances it's very easy even at that level of the exporter to attribute the the either the non-compliance to food safety breakdown to a specific uh, group, and then at the group level, it's easy to know because not everyone supplies the same day. Yes. Who are the specific farmers that supplied supplied for that uh, for that for that date? Mm. So uh, they 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 adopt the um, you know the batching um, uh, method. You know they, they batch uh, groups of farmers together and uh, use that as an input into the, the consignment. So traceability is very um, uh, important, and I know it's also a, a requirement for exporters to have the traceability records. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the, the, it is a requirement, and most uh, now because of the sensitivity of the issues I just raised, eh? yeah. and uh, and because it's also linked to payment, it's linked to uh, food safety. Mm. Uh, all exporters maintain those uh, traceability records to be able to uh, know uh, uh, the the source of the non-compliance. But of course, if it is from a broker, mm. you know, you mentioned about the 40%, you know, it's coming from, from the markup study. Yeah. Yeah, the ones who are coming in through brokers, that becomes diffi- difficult. Because that to us, we call it uh, undeclared sources. Because mm. it's only in the knowledge of the broker. Of the broker. Yeah, it's only in the knowledge of the broker And not the regulator or even the exporter, Mm. because this is someone who just went collected all over Mm. and then delivered. So even the broker has no records of what went into that, into that uh, product. Because for traceability to work, you must have historical data related to that product and be able to trace the movement of Mm. that product from the farm all the way to the, yeah, to the, To the the plate, yes. Okay. Yeah.
1: Maybe there's someone listening to the podcast now and they feel like this is their final nudge to get into French beans farming. What do you think they need to know? What are the basics they need to know so they can just jump into the business?
3: Uh, uh, I just want to tell them that um, uh, it's a good business uh, if it is done rightly uh, with proper planning. Uh, the the first thing would be to identify themselves with the with the buyer, you know that is the number one rule. Uh, you you need to uh, get in touch with uh, an exporter. You can be introduced to an exporter either through HCD or another farmer who is within your neighborhood, and they are supplying an exporter. Uh, it's normally easy uh, that way because they they like getting from an existing uh, area where they are. They are getting beans, mm. so once they get in touch with an exporter, that is when now they get guided on you know uh, which variety of the bean because there are many varieties. So mm. you know they'll be guided guided on the on the variety, uh, the pesticides, the chemicals not to use, and all these other issues. They even discuss the pricing mm. and what tests to be done before they they start off. Then really, it becomes easy for them now to plan around that discussion discussion they have with the with the buyer. Uh, And then also they they can be able to know the expectations in terms of um, uh, what are they getting, you know, in terms of uh, income, Mm -hmm. yeah, and what uh, resources to employ uh, when they want to get into production. Yeah, so that connection with the buyer is actually key.
0: So there's a game we play here. It's a fun game.
3: Yeah, it was told Doris told me. <laughs> she didn't give me leakage. Good, good. So, uh, we
0: have three. Uh, we have two facts and one
2: lie.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll give you um, three statements. Two are true mm-hmm. and one is a lie. Yeah. So I just want you. We just want you to identify which one is a lie. Okay. Okay. And this is all in relation to to French pins.
3: So, but it cannot be used against me. No. Okay. <laughs> it will never, we yeah, promise. Yeah, my kids would not want to hear it if I fail. Okay. So uh, our
0: two facts and a lie today are about passion fruit. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, the passion fruit is a part of horticulture, And we are passionate about, we have passion for passion. So, fact number one. The United Arab Emirates is the biggest export market for Kenyan passion fruits. Fact number one, the United Arab Emirates, UAE, is the biggest export market for Kenyan passion fruits. Fact number two, uh, statement number two, ripe passion fruits float on water and ripe ones will sink. Ripe passion fruits will float on water uh, and ripe ones will sink. And then the third statement is less than 5% of farmers irrigate their orchards.
3: Come again on the last one. Uh,
0: Less than 5% of farmers actually irrigate their orchards.
3: I think number one is not the fact.
0: Number one is a lie. Yeah. Uh, The UAE is the biggest export market for Kenyan passion fruits. Yeah. Yeah. um, Unfortunately, you
1: are wrong. Wait. <laughs> uh, ripe passion fruit doesn't float. Oh. But there's there's a thing about there's that, thing I think. Yeah. That. So there's I a thing it, about just It Google
3: floats. It. It's, its eggs. It's eggs. Even passion Not
1: fruit. No, even, even passion When fruit. you're washing them, when you guys. ripe,
3: the ripe ones float. Yeah. The unripe no ones.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Check YouTube now. <laughs> so you are guess is right. I but I think I'm 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 on this one. Okay, but unfortunately Unfortunately,
0: the judge's confusion is final. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's It for this week, we just want to give a special thank you to all our guests. To Josephine Simio, we want to thank the ladies we met in Taita, Mercy and Grace, who yeah. took us around their farms and you know they were so hospitable with they us, so gracious. Sana, a big, big thank you to UNIDO under the EU supported markup program for making this possible. This podcast is made at Semabox.
0: Please like, share, and subscribe. And for more information about any of the topics that we discuss, you can find us at markupkenya.org. Connect with us on our socials. We are at markupkenya on Twitter and Instagram. And you can also like our Facebook page. It's just markupkenya. Wishing you an awesome week ahead. And remember, no matter who you are, you You can farm.